Hey everybody, this is Matt and welcome to another Overflow Pod. And last pod we looked at how we can miss Christmas even though it's blaring at us for a full month. So go back and listen to that one if you haven't because this is just a continuation of that pod. We can miss Christmas by being too busy, getting too familiar, or even fear. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, some people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. See, you can know all kinds of other things, but if you don't know God, you miss the purpose of your life because you weren't put on this planet to mark things off your to-do list, to climb that corporate ladder, to make tons of money that you can't take with you. You were put here to get to know God and to prepare for being with him forever and eternity. So how do I not miss Christmas? If busyness and familiarity and apathy and unconcern and fear or anxiety over what's going to happen if I really open up my life to God, if these things keep me from knowing Christ, from understanding the true meaning of Christmas, how do I not miss it? Well, let's give me an easy way to remember it. Remember when you were younger, you learned some safety rules, and one of those was about fire, and they would give you three words. Do you remember them? In case one of your pieces of clothes caught on fire, what were those three words? Stop, drop, roll, right? Another safety rule was when you came to a street intersection, and this one you may or may not be familiar with. It was stop, look, and listen before you make your way onto the street to see if there's any traffic. And I want to take that same little formula of stop, look, and listen, and I want you to remember it as the key to not missing the true meaning of Christmas. As I say, you can have a Christmas tree in your house and still miss it. You've got to stop, you got to look, and you got to listen. So first, stop. Stop filling my life with less important things. That's the first thing you got to do. Don't let busyness keep me from knowing God. Psalm 39 says, all man's busy rushing ends in nothing. He heaps up riches for someone else to spend. That sounds like our country. The pace of life. Buy things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like. So go out and run the rat race. But you don't want to run the rat race. Because even if you win, you're still a rat. But you weren't a rat. You're a human. We're not made that way. You can be so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. I saw a sign once that said, beware of the barrenness of a busy life, because activity and productivity are not the same. You accomplish more by doing less, by not being so busy. Busyness can fill your schedule, but it'll also fracture your family. The greatest tragedy is that most people are too busy for God. Well, what's the antidote? The antidote is to stop running and slow down. That's the first way you really get to know the meaning of Christmas. You got to stop running and slow down. Psalm 46.10, well-known verse, be still and know that I am God. He's saying, chill out, relax. The famous philosopher Pascal said, all of men's problems come from his inability to sit still. Now, I don't know if that's true, but I know that a lot of our problems come from our inability to sit still. We're just too hurried. We're too worried. And when we're hurried and worried, we can't stop filling our lives with less important things and we crowd out God. And all of a sudden, we're like the innkeeper. We have no room in our life, no room for God. It's interesting to me that all the people that God announces he's coming to earth in the form as the Son of God, that the first group he tells is shepherds. Shepherds, sheep herders. Now, you need to understand the culture. 
2,000 years ago, shepherds were the lowest rung on the status ladder. They were almost lower than criminals. They were considered stinky, dirty, smelly, worthless people. I mean, if you hang out in the wild and hang out with sheep all day long, you're going to smell. So who does God tell the good news to first? Those stinky, dirty, smelly, worthless people. The sheep herders, the outcasts, the people on the fringe, the people that nobody else wants to associate with. Now, why does he tell them? Why does he tell the shepherds about Jesus being born? Well, one of the reasons was they weren't busy. They're just sitting there, keeping watch over their flocks at night, staring out on a starry night. And then all of a sudden, an angel shows up. What do you got to do? Well, you're going to listen. There's no TV. There's no, they're obviously not in a hurry. And when God says, go to Bethlehem and see this new baby, they're like, sorry, we got three Christmas parties to attend. No, no, no. They got nothing to do. They're like, hey, let's check it out. God also speaks to the person who's willing to listen. I mean, how many times do you think the shepherds were called to go somewhere? Never. But we, we're so busy. We don't have any time. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll talk to you later, God. I'm busy in this meeting. We don't have time to just sit still and be quiet. We don't have time to get to know God. Proverbs 10, 27 says, Reverence for God adds hours to each day. In other words, if you give some time to God, he's going to give you more time. Whatever you give to God, he gives you more of. You need more money, give some to God. You need more energy, give some to God. You need more talent, give it to God. Whatever you give to God, he will give you more of. Why can't I just can't keep up. I'm so behind. Maybe we need to reverence God on a daily basis, a quiet time with him. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. So you got to stop filling your life with less important things and maybe fill it with some relaxing time with God. Second, after we stop, is you gotta look. Now, what do I mean by look? Well, you gotta look closely at why Jesus came. I mean, we could give five or six reasons that Jesus came to earth. You know, and you need to, you know, mark, make the effort to check it out, investigate Jesus, who he is, what did he say, what did he claim, why does it matter? What difference does it make today? Do an investigation. And this, by the way, what Herod told the wise men to do. Matthew 2, 8, Herod says, go make a careful search for the child. By the way, why were the wise men called wise? Because they made the effort to check out the star. We don't really know what it was. But if God can create that entire universe, he can do anything he wants. He can create a special star. It could be a comet. Who knows? But here's what we do know. Other people had to see it, too. Because if it's in the sky, the rest of the world could see it. Why were they the only ones who made the effort? They saw the same star, but the only ones who followed him were these wise men. They didn't, others saw the star, but they didn't look at why Jesus came. Others were close. They took the time to stop and to look and to look at the star. And I remember as a kid, I loved the movie, The Ten Commandments. And one of the remarkable parts of the movie was when he met God for the first time, Moses did, and and his demeanor changed, everything about him changed, his hair turned gray. And and I remember a time when I was riding back from church and I wasn't sure that I had a relationship with God. And I mean, I thought I did, but I couldn't really remember exactly when or what. So I decided as I was going back home on that station wagon, on the metal back of the seat of that 1984 Chevy Caprice classic, <sighs> piece of junk. <laughs> that I would talk to God right then and there and I would always remember it. 
it wasn't much of a prayer. I just kind of rambled. I don't understand what I said at all, but I said, Jesus, if you're real and you can be my savior, I want to know you. I want to learn to love you. I want to learn to trust you. I humbly ask you to make yourself real. Forgive me for what I've done. And I trust in Jesus to take away my sins. And please be faithful to your promise in the Bible that says, if I call out to you, I'll be saved. Then when we got home, I said, I'll never forget that moment in the car. And I haven't forgotten it. I forgot what age I was. I forgot everything about it, except it was on a Wednesday night and I was in the back of a car. That's all I remember. But I promised myself I would not forget it. I was very young at the time. Do you know what happened when I prayed that prayer? Nothing. <laughs> I didn't feel any different. I didn't cry. I didn't have some emotional experience. No angels came down and flapped their wings. There was no shining light. My hair didn't turn white like Charlton Heston did in the Ten Commandments. There was no emotion to the event. It was simply a matter of fact, a simple rational decision, but it was a turning point in my life. I later learned that the reason why it didn't mean a lot to me is because I didn't understand the implications of it. And the more I understand the benefits and the blessings and the implications of knowing Jesus, the more excited I get about it. It's kind of like when I got married. I remember when I got married, the next day on the first day of our honeymoon, when I woke up and looked at my wife before she woke up, all of a sudden I got real emotional. I started tearing up and then she woke up and I quickly hid my coming tears and I smiled. My emotions finally caught up to the decision that I made the day before when I said my vows. And it's been 26 years since then, and she's my best friend, and I love her more every day. And I'm going to get to have her the rest of my life. And sometimes that happens when you give your life to Christ. You just go, sounds reasonable, and if God is God, then obviously God is a place in my life. So you invite Jesus as your Savior. And the Bible says at Christmas, for unto you is born a Savior. Believe me, if you didn't need a Savior, God wouldn't waste his time sending you one. There's no way you're getting into heaven on your own. There's no chance you're getting into heaven by what you do good because you're never good enough. We're not perfect. And what about all of our wrongs we commit? If we could get into heaven just by being nice people, Jesus coming as the Savior wouldn't have been necessary. Jesus dying on a cross would have been a waste of time. But Luke 2 says, For unto you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The only rational, reasonable response to that is to go, You're right. I'm not perfect. I'm flawed. I'm not God. I need a Savior. And no amount of being a nice guy is going to get me there. So I come to God and say, here I am. And here's what the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I want to challenge you not to be like one of those people who celebrate all the traditions of Christmas year after year after year with zero curiosity about why we actually celebrate and what it means to my life today. God says, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. God says, I want you to be a seeker. I want you to check me out. If you've never read the Bible, you might want to just grab a Bible somewhere. Start reading through the book of John. It's in the right side of the Bible, in the New Testament, the fourth book in. That's the book that tells you a lot about Jesus. Now, the Bible is 66 books put together under one cover. And the book of John tells that's a lot about Jesus. So just say, God, as I read this, help me understand who Jesus really was. And if you do that, he'll become real to you. But I must remind you, it's okay to have doubts. I've met many people who have said to me, I wish I someone told me years ago that I could become a follower of Jesus Christ and still have doubts. I don't have to have everything figured out. There's a lot of things 
that I don't understand that I benefit from every day. I don't understand how television and computers work, but I still enjoy them. I don't understand how the cell phone is able to do all the things it does, but I still use it. I don't understand the physics of internal combustion so I can drive my car. Or if you have an electric car, I don't understand how that ba those batteries make that car go. I don't understand the chemistry of digesting, but I'm still going to eat. <laughs> I learned a long time ago, I don't have to have everything figured out to benefit from it. I wish someone told me when I was younger that you don't have to have all your questions answered before you can develop a friendship with God. Because it would have happened a lot sooner, maybe. One time there was a guy who came to Jesus and Jesus, I need your help. I need you to heal my daughter. And Jesus goes, do you believe that I can heal your daughter? And the guy says, I want to believe, but I got these doubts. And you know what Jesus said? That's good enough. <laughs> Bam, he healed the girl. You can come to God and say, I want to believe, help me with my doubts. And the only thing that will hold you back is your ego, your pride, or maybe fear. So you need to stop. You need to look. And then the third thing you need is to do is listen. Listen to the good news of Christmas. Don't be afraid of the good news. Why would anybody be afraid of it? The Bible says Christmas was, I bring you good news of great joy. But before that, you know what he says? The angel said to him, fear not. Because he doesn't say, I bring you bad news of great misery. I bring you good news of great joy. A lot of people think, if I really give my life to Jesus, I'm going to have to to deal with the bad stuff. I'm going to have to give up all the good stuff in my life. But he's like, no. It's good news. The Savior has been born. It's Christ the Lord. John 10.10 10 said, Jesus said, I've come to, you may have life and have it to the fullest. You know why he came to give you life to the fullest? Because you're not living it. You're not living it. You can't live life to the fullest unless you connect to the creator who loves you and made you and has a purpose in your life. If you're not going to find your purpose for your life on your own, because you didn't make yourself, only God can tell you your purpose. Most people aren't really living. They're just existing. They get up in the morning, they go to work, they come home, they watch TV or the internet, go to bed, go to parties on the weekends and think, I'm living. No, you're not. You're just existing. You lose your fear when you understand what Jesus came to do. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. He didn't come to scare us, but to save us. By the way, have you ever thought about all the ways that God could have come to earth <laughs> instead of as a baby? I mean, you could come up with a whole lot of impressive ways. I mean, if Hollywood was going to make an example of God coming to earth, man, they could do some epic CGI movie quality stuff. But he comes as a baby. He comes to earth in the same way everybody else is, does. We all get here that way. <laughs> Why did God come here as a baby? Because he came to save us, not to scare us. Nobody's afraid of a baby. There are a lot of ways that God could have come to the world that would have scared the living daylights out of you. <laughs> but he came all the way. He came into the world by being born into it because he came to save us. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. That's what the Christmas song, A Little Town of Bethlehem, says. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what kind of year you've had. It may have been a tough year, a rough year, a sad year. For me, it was sad. I'm still processing the passing of my, my dad. But in spite of that, I have peace in me and a joy that nobody can take away. And if I didn't have that in me, I wouldn't be here talking to you. 
I know this as the Bible says, and I listen, for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus tells us later, I've come that you might have life. I didn't come to condemn you, but to save you. So no matter what's really going on, going through, here's my advice. When things get really bad, don't run from God. Run to him. Because you don't get any comfort from running away from God. You just get more fear, more anxiety, more misery, more pain. When you run to God, you get the comfort of God. Which of these things could cause you to miss Christmas? Is it being too busy? Your 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 schedule is overpacked? Is it indifferent? You're too familiar with it. You've been a Christian your whole life, or you've been around it. You put up the tree, you send the cards, you have the party, you make the punch, you do the gifts, you send out the cards and everything, and you do all the traditions and you miss the meaning. You know better than the religious people 2,000 years ago who knew all the answers but missed the meaning. What about fear? Are you really kind of like Herod? I don't want anybody else to be king in my life. I want to be king. I want to be God. It's really not a wise approach because it's all it's going to do is cause you problems and pain. And if you do that, how's it working out for you? Do you feel good being in control? No. If you're God, all your problems are solved, right? No. <laughs> Since you're not, you're probably, you get more and more problems. So you need to come to God humbly and do those three things. So first, stop. The Bible says Christ carried the burden of our sins on the cross so that we would stop living for sin and start living for what is right. His wounds heal us. I stop the old way and begin a new way. Then I look. The Bible says, let the, Lord, let the world look to me for salvation. For I am God and there is no other. And what, what does God say? He said, listen to what God says. This is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day to be saved. Not tomorrow, not this week, not next year, not in 10 years. Because you know what? We're not guaranteed 10 years, let alone tomorrow. Whatever you're going to do, you better do it now because you're not guaranteed it. The whole reason we give gifts at Christmas is because the wise men started this tradition. They brought gifts to the baby Jesus. So today we give gifts to each other. They brought, the wise men brought those three gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Can you imagine going to someone's birthday where everybody gets gifts except for the birthday boy? What kind of party is that? What are you giving Jesus for his birthday? You're going to give gifts to everybody else. And you're going to get gifts from everybody else. But what are you giving to Jesus on Christmas, his birthday? The reason for the celebration to begin with. You say, I don't know. What do you give to the guy who has everything? You give him what he doesn't have. What does Jesus not have? He doesn't have your love unless you give it to him. He doesn't have your trust unless you give it to him. He doesn't have your life unless you give it to him. And he doesn't force it. It's a matter of love. He gave his life for you. Will you give your life for him? Stop, look, and listen and respond. What are you going to give Jesus this Christmas? Because if you don't get him a gift, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the whole point. You'll, you'll go through all the trimmings and trappings of Christmas, but you'll miss the whole point. So what are you going to do? Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and God bless, and I'll see you in the next pod.